This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 402. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode we are doing an Ask Me Anything, taking questions raised on the Facebook group page. Before we get to that, let's catch up with where we are. And I know what you're thinking, you're thinking Duncan, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a week since we last podcasted. To be honest, I'm kind of in the position just now that if I don't actually have a guest or I don't actually have a show, I'm not actually going to put something out, which is a kind of weird foreign concept for me in that I'm constantly feeling that I should be putting stuff out. So, uh, yeah, I decided no episode on Monday because um, plans cancelled last week for the episode that would have been dropped in rather than scramble and put out something else. I just decided to let it coast by. I don't even know if anyone missed me. But I'm back anyway. And yeah, we're just easing ourselves back into this nice warm podcast pill with an Ask Me Anything episode. You will also note that the long overdue now, where to begin with, still hasn't come out. And it's coming out this weekend. Held on to that one as well because I want to get that Teapot's Collective feed on a one episode of one show drops every week schedule and uh, yeah until we do that it's not going to feel right so yeah that'll be dropping over the weekend ladies and gents I promise so rather than waste our time here doing promos for shows that I love and all that stuff let's just get into it and keep the continuity keep the buzz and keep the vibe a rolling shall we these questions came in via the facebook group page now there is not a huge amount of them which isn't necessarily a bad thing because some of these questions are a bit weighty they have a bit of depth to them and we are going to get into them right now paul Kearney asks you've placed a number of duplicate movies up for sale on ebay some of which are out of print and or limited editions does this mean you've upgraded these editions or these films or did you just forget you'd already bought stuff and these are genuine duplicates? Uh, my wife did not read this question, thank God, because uh, that could have caused a bit of friction in the household. I see what you're up to, Paul Kearney. My eyes are on you. Um, a bit of everything, actually. So uh, when I moved house we decided that we were going to use essentially the kind of lower ground floor as a kind of cinema area. It's where a podcast from as well. And we got some custom made shelving made, uh, which is bitching. I absolutely love it. And the space there could conceivably contain about 1,200 Blu-rays. That was the plan. And I genuinely thought it was going to take me quite a bit of time. I think when I moved into the house, I had about 800 Blu-rays. Um, 
and in the last kind of look through we were sitting over a thousand which is worrying obviously so it's kind of prompted me to be a bit more critical with what I've bought now there's a lot of movies that I have recently upgraded from their original release 2K version to a 4K or 4K UHD version and I never got rid of the old copies so part of it is that Others are, I have multiple versions of the same movie, just in general. Um, for a while, Arrow would release a title and would also release it on like a limited steelbook. And I was buying the steelbook as well, so I ended up with two copies. Some of them are essentially copies of films in different regions. So I've flung up a couple of Synapse movies for our gentle titles that I already have the 4K UHD for now, so kind of they're a bit obsolete and a little bit redundant you know I've got a better print of the movie and the value of said movies I don't necessarily think is going to go up over time so those are in there and then there are some that are kind of general I've watched this movie I probably won't watch it again um, some of the Screen Factory ones are like that I'm not the biggest fan of Screen Factory I sometimes find the prints a bit shitty so some of those have went up as well so yeah, it's kind of like I want to create some more room to buy more titles to put them in there. I want to kind of deduplicate a lot of what is on my shelf. And at the same time, there's some movies in there that I would just never watch again. Or I own like four or five copies of the movie. And at that point, it just kind of feels like overkill. So that is the plan behind the recent posts of which... We are just in phase one. There's about three phases of this still to go. So I reckon there's still about maybe up to 50 titles that will be getting listed over the next couple of weeks. So yeah, if anyone out there is listening to this, um, I posted the link recently on the Facebook group pages where you can jump across to eBay and, uh, and, and see my list out. Paul Kearney went on to say, you have a choice. Going to see the final ever Nine Inch Nails gig where they play your favorite songs only are going to see Tenebrae at the cinema with Dario Argento one on one. Um, I'd go and see Nine Inch Nails, which might sound a bit sacrilegious. Nine Inch Nails are my favourite band. And whilst Argento is one of my favourite directors, he's not my favourite director, I think there's a language barrier there with Argento where, well, it's kind of twofold. One, I wouldn't want to talk over the top of his movie, so it would be us sitting in silence and then maybe having a bit of a chat afterwards. And two, I don't necessarily think I could ask him questions he's not heard of before or get answers back that I haven't heard him commit on commentaries or interviews. Whereas I will always drop almost everything to go and see Nine Inch Nails play. And the fact it was the final gig ever, and they're playing only my favourite songs. Paul Kearney, that's a no-brainer. Uh, right, we have a bunch of questions now to take us through to the end here. Like I say, we we uh, we had a few that came in, um, including five, all from our buddy uh, Michael McCloskey, who says, as his first question, thoughts on Northman not doing good business at box office? Are historical epics and anything that isn't a known IP, reboot, remake, our comic book related film just finished. So me and Bo were talking about this recently. Um, firstly, let me put my cards on the table. Fucking love The Northman. Um, genuinely think uh, Eggers is... He's just operating in a different 
realm of filmmaking for me. I, I, I thought it was a, like a, a fucking incredible work of awesome. Why did the movie not do well? Because essentially they have marketed the film and pushed the film in a way where a movie like that probably isn't going to gain the ground that everyone expects it to. Like, if the movie did cost the between 70 and 90 million dollars, they gave it to a guy that just made The Lighthouse, which is a movie, yes, that did play a lot of places, but it's a weird abstract sort of thing and if you are one trying to get new heads through the door and the two movies you're referencing as you know from the creative mind of the witch and the lighthouse comes the northman i don't know how much traction that has with people that just don't have a kind of cinephile brain added on top of that i'm gonna say there might be a little bit of viking fatigue that tv show ran for how long like six seasons and like a hundred and odd episodes and then they've just done vikings valhalla on netflix there's been a few vikings movies out recently actually that i think maybe there's a bit of that where people are like do i want to go and see another one another one of these viking kind of things at the cinema whereas i think they could have marketed it maybe a little smarter as a kind of as a more of a kind of Conan the Barbarian style movie, which it clearly is taking reference from, as well as, you know, as well as a bit of Shakespeare and all the rest. Um, I also think, just in general, how, how, how to word this, it comes across as not, like in any of the trailers that you see or any of the words, it doesn't come across in a way where you're entirely sure what genre it sits in. Um, I think that can be confusing for some people, especially when the two movies you're referencing from the director are horror movies. Um, that might put you, do, do I want to go and see a Viking horror movie? Maybe not. Um, I would, obviously, but the, your, your casual punter isn't. I don't think we're at the drastic stage that you kind of lay out as a potential for how these movies aren't doing well. When we're saying, you know, if it isn't a known IP, reboot, remake, or comic book related film, they just don't perform because there is traction out there. In fact, if anything, the horror is that traction. Um, very seldom do horror movies not make their money back. They usually make them quite comfortably, and a lot of that comes down to budget. Um, horror movies can be done on a relatively tight budget. It's also worth saying as well. I'm sure I read somewhere that two-thirds of that kind of 90 million US dollars budget that was mentioned is marketing, which to me feels like obscene. If you're making a movie for 30 million that uh, an additional 60 million is put on top to market the movie and then kind of the, the eye goes back on the film is underperforming, well, I, I don't know if I would agree with that. I would say on some level if a band agrees to play at a venue and the promoter doesn't sell enough tickets, is it the band's fault? Or is it the promoter's fault? So, yeah. I don't know. I don't think we're there. I think comic book movies tend to make their money. They don't always make their money, but they tend to make their money. Remakes are not a sure thing anymore. At all. I think there are plenty of remakes that just don't do nearly as much business as people expect. And reboots are kind of the same thing. I think there's a slightly more educated audience out there that are just very wary of the, the, the term reboot. Especially if it's something that's coming back out within a timeline memory of things you've seen before. You know, I've seen, like, 
and notwithstanding something like a Spider-Man, but if you look at that Cabin in the Wood reboot, that wholly underperformed what they thought it was going to do. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question. Suffice to say, I thought Northman was fucking great, though. Michael follows up with his second question, saying, another one, are you up for this new House of Dragon show, or did Game of Thrones crashing and burning sever you on the whole thing? Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be honest, I'm in the minority on this one. I didn't mind the Game of Thrones ending at all. I know to some people it was, what, the worst thing that's happened in TV. Oh, if only I could be as soft and sensitive as you. Um, I thought the ending, yes, it's not the ending I would have done, but I enjoyed it right to the very fucking end. Um, at no point did I feel I'd wasted quote-unquote eight years of my life or the show had really let me down. Um, I enjoyed it. It entertained me. It gave me what I want pretty much to the end. And I have some of my favourite episodes of TV ever in that show. So, um, I, I understand the premise of this one being a prequel set, you know, thousands of years before and all the rest. I'll check it out. I, I mean, it's got enough goodwill with me to check it out. Um, it's not something I'll be skipping. Michael's third question is Avatar 2. Will it be the new biggest film of all time or is this Jimmy Cameron's first bomb? This is really interesting because we've been waiting for what feels like about 15 years for this movie now and there's a danger on some level that those that did see it and made it you know the highest grossing movie of all time when it came out um, those people are so far removed from it now that are maybe not interested to go back and you now have a new generation of film goers that didn't go and see it at the cinema so it depends how much money was spent on it it's been in you know it's been worked on for a long time that I imagine all the money's been spent on it um, will that be a bomb? Probably not. I think this is one of these ones where it's going to have a, a good age range. That you, you're going to have a lot of people taking their kids to see it, a lot of people going to see it themselves. Um, so I think it'll, it'll do well commercially. I don't think it'll outdo the first Avatar movie. Um, on top of that as well, I think this one, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Avatar, I expect this one not to do as well critically. Um, I expect it to get bashed around, but I think it'll probably do okay in the numbers. Um, number four from Michael McCloskey says, How do you like the news that Kirby is back in Scream 6? Any chance a Melty Fee Stew will be back next? Um, over the moon that the Kirby character's coming back. I kind of, that felt like a missing element when we did Scream 5. Because she did survive at the end of, of Scream 4. And she's a prominent character in that movie. And if we were using that, it kind of almost felt like Scream 5 on some level whitewashed out Scream 4 entirely, which is a bit of a shame because I really like Scream 4. Um, so I, I'm kind of excited to see her back in it. She's certainly a big name. Hayden Panier is, um, you know, is a big, big name. Maybe not doing as much as she was doing back then, but it's a kind of recognisable face. I kind of like to see where that character is now. Um, is she going to be the kind of quasi-Randy character that knows all the horror references because she did back then? Or has she kind of grown out of that because of what was done to her? So I kind of like that idea. At this point, I think, if you're making the screen movies, you'd be daft not to try and bring Stu back in one way, shape or form. It's clearly what the fans want. 
It's clearly what I want. And uh, Big Matt is clearly down to do it. So I kind of feel like they just need to get it done and then we can all move on. As ludicrous as it would be, um, I think it, it kind of stops that conversation once I've done it and they should just do it. Um, final question from Michael McCloskey says, We all know Halloween Ends won't be the actual end as those films all made 130 million plus on 20 million budgets. So, what's next after it? A season of the witch reboot or something that actually follows Carpenter's original anthology plan with a new set of tales on Halloween each time. Um, this is a really interesting one because Jason Blum, the guy behind Blumhouse, originally had stated when they were talking about like Halloween being rebooted and all the rest, he had zero interest in touching Halloween 3. Like zero interest. Not, not like even a slither of an interest to go down that road. They wanted to complete the story of Laurie Strode and Michael Myers, and that's where they were going. And then on the run-up to that second movie coming out, you remember, Evil Dies Tonight, um, on the run-up to that movie, they then started heavily talking about how one more movie would end this you know, particular franchise, and uh, they weren't quite ready to end the franchise. They could possibly go beyond that, and the conversation pivoted to Halloween 3 and the ideas of anthologies. I think there's a chance that maybe you get a Halloween 3 re remake. I think it would be the worst idea in cinema history to remake that movie because it's so fucking bonkers that unless you are reinventing the wheel with it, which, let's be honest, have not really proved that they can do in this franchise, then you're just going to make something of lesser value, lesser quality, and something that exists in the good graces because it got critically beat up when it came out, and people have kind of just found their way to the movie, as opposed to it was always a darling of cinema. So, there's that aspect. I don't think they'll ever do an anthology. Um, based on Carpenter's original idea because the bottom line is the character that sells the Halloween franchise will be and always will be from a studio's point of view regardless how much Blum tries to make itself out that it's on the fan side it's on the money making side will always be Michael Myers that's the, that's the cash cow so I expect that if we do get any more Halloween news in the foreseeable future it will be Michael Myers related rather than an anthology um, and maybe there's a remake of Season of the Witch but why would you want to do that? It kind of feels a bit silly. I will say this, I'm very much looking forward to the end of this particular run um, because I just want us to move on. <laughs> like, I'm tired of Halloween movies and that last movie was shit. Um, Halloween Kills was not a good movie at all um, and I just want it I want it ironically enough to end so we'll see how it lands right last three questions from people that are not named Michael McCloskey first one Tom Brooker says what's your favourite cinema experience um, ooh, I, yeah my favourite cinema experience is probably seeing Wreck for the first time in Edinburgh opening a film festival and literally thinking I was getting one sort of film and then when that body flies off the top of the you know of the banister and then crashes in the in the hallway with that splat 
just genuinely feeling like I was under threat right to the end of that movie. It's the closest I've come to like a pure visceral scared experience watching a movie for a prolonged period of time. Um, my most unique cinema experience, I've mentioned it many times before, was going to see the Blair Witch Project for the first time and passing out in the cinema via motion sickness. Um, so yeah, that's probably my, my most unique. I wouldn't say it's my favourite, but it's my most unique. And Wreck, definitely. Like, the first time you see Wreck with an audience, especially if you're lucky to have seen it the first time, you are in for the closest thing to a roller coaster ride while not moving. So there you go. Abraham Ram says, Not a question, but you were the first person to firmly say Eggers Nosferatu is not going to happen, and it seems to be that you were correct. Um, I, I would not be as bold as to say I was the first person ever um, to say that, but I had an inkling, and that inkling was he made The Lighthouse, and in The Lighthouse he used a huge amount of German expressionism um, in the way he filmed that movie. It felt like camera work from, you know, the original Nosferatu or even um, Dreyer's um, Vampire. That's what it looked like. And to me, once you've got that out of your system, what are you doing? Well, what, you know, what attracts you to that project if it's not the, the, the artistic exploit of that? I just kind of always felt like you'd be treading over the same ground. And Eggers to me just feels like the sort of director who doesn't do that. All three of these movies are vastly different. Also, I just didn't like the... I don't know. I really... I love the original, obviously. Um, I like the Herzog remake. I think the Herzog remake is kind of fucking awesome. Also benefits the fact that, you know, Klaus Kinski's in that. Like, doing the Orlock thing, which is kind of amazing as well. So... At, at this point, I just don't... And I don't know who the movie's made for. You know what I mean? I don't know... I, I don't know if it's if it's him making it or if he's trying to make it to please people. Um, I would much rather see... And I was speaking to Bo about this recently. I would love to see an Eggers kind of spaghetti western. I think that's something... Like he said, he wants to work in period settings for the rest of his career, pretty much. So that'd be an interesting one. Like a good old vengeance movie set in the Wild West and I would watch the shit out of that. So yeah, um, ultimately, I'd, I mean, had he made Nosferatu, I would definitely fucking watch it. But I'm not going to cry that it's not going to happen. Uh, final question from Lacey Lou, who says, In honour of Friday the 13th tomorrow, which character out of any of the films made you cheer the most when they met their demise and why? Um... You know, for the longest time, it was Shelley. And I know everyone's on the I hate Shelley train, and he's got some sympathisers out there, but I, I fucking hate Shelley. I just find him a wholly obnoxious and non-redeemable character at all. His only purpose served in the entire franchise is having the hockey mask that Jason ends up wearing, and that is it for me. But over time, having watched the remake many times now, it's the douchebag that owns the property that they stay in. Um, I hate him. You know, like the the, the kind of jock, bully, arsehole guy. I hate him. So he's probably the one I enjoy more seeing their death than Shelley. Although Shelley is a close second. 
Interestingly enough, me and my uh, my um, eight-year-old daughter are going through a bit of a Friday night horror night phase at the moment. She's wanting, She asked me, and it's a personal story and off to the side, she asked me just before she turned eight why I was, in her words, obsessed with horror movies. Um, which is an accurate description. I'm obsessed with horror movies. And I explained that it was... And I always am aware that I, I tell stories, but this could be buried like 600 episodes ago and ain't nobody got time for that. Um, but my introduction to horror movies as something that I became kind of almost fanatical over was at eight years old, um, the babysitter who was looking after myself, my older brother who's two years older than me and my younger brother who's two years younger than me, um, she would bring three films for us to watch she brought a cartoon for my younger brother who was six i got an action movie so whatever the stallone schwarzenegger van damme movie was of the time i would get that and my older brother would always get a horror movie to watch and we would watch them sequentially so we'd all sit down watch the cartoon then my younger brother would go to bed then me and my older brother and the babysitter would watch the action movie then i would go to my bed and my brother would stay up and uh, watch the horror movie and i distinctly remember for whatever reason, he wasn't interested in the title that she'd hired, which was Maniac Cop. Um, and I begged and pleaded to watch Maniac Cop and, and watched it and fucking loved it. And from that point onwards, um, it was either two horror movies or I got the horror movie. And within like uh, six months, I'd seen Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween. Um, just that, like a, a list of of the kind of what you would watch in the 80s horror movies. Um, so I was telling her that, and I think she, she... My daughter takes things very literal at times. I think she has got in her head that to get an appreciation for horror movies, you need to watch them at eight years old. So that's what we've been doing at the moment. Um, and on her pick, and my poor judgment, um, tomorrow, with it being Friday the 13th, she has chosen... Friday the 13th and we are going to watch that and I will pick another one from the franchise to sit and watch as well with her so we will be watching Friday the 13th tomorrow so I'm, I'm very very excited about it uh, it's going to be a ton of fun and something that I like as it, as it stands just now we've got a, a lineup of movies set for the next few Fridays that I'm really looking forward to introducing her to just over time um, as long as she's interested in it and when she's not I'm not going to be one of these parents are like we now need to watch these horror movies I'm not like that um, as soon as she loses interest she can go and do her own thing but um, I'm kind of relishing those moments because it's kind of cool kind of cool um, I want to thank everyone for sending questions and next time I will give you more notice on the ask me anythings but thank you again to everyone that submitted stuff in um, in terms of what we've got left for the week one more episode coming your way folks it'll be coming out on Sunday it will be the next instalment of our 88 Films Italian Collection. We're doing Zombie 5, which is a movie I've never seen before. I'm not holding out hope for it, but that's what we'll be bringing your way then. And then normal service will start in earnest on Monday when we get back into things proper. So, uh, rather than give you all the shenanigans at the end of this episode, just let me thank you all for continuing the support, continuing the love, continuing the dialogue on the Facebook group page. It means a lot to me. And uh, yeah, until I speak to you again, ladies and gents, 
wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, this is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off.